So I want to share a story. Sarm, we haven't had a chance to talk about this. I've been dying to unpack it with you. We'll just do it live on the air. Uh, just dive in. And welcome back to another part train. My name is Evan Singer. I'm one of your co-hosts. We got Matt Cermak here as our other co-host. As always, guys, in case you're new, thanks for hopping aboard. Our mission on the part train is to help frustrated golfers enjoy the ride again on and off the course. And we believe if you can learn to smile through bad golf, you can basically smile through everything. Trust me, we've lived it, okay? We feature interviews from PGA Tour pros, best-selling authors, CEOs, mental coaches, and many more to make the hardest game in the world feel easy and give you the tools to enjoy the ride. Guys, we had the great pleasure of having Colin Morikawa's coach since he was eight years old, Rick Sessinghouse, on the show last week, and we were recording this Sunday night after Colin won his second major at age 24. Um, so amazing timing. We're going to go into things we've learned from Rick last week, how we saw that apply to what we watched this weekend and try and pick out some nuggets for your game to improve, uh, mentally, physically, emotionally, etc. Um, but before we do a quick word from our friends at Roback, sir, Mac, I got a quick story for you. Okay. Let's hear it. Uh, went to a golf store today, Roger Dunn in LA. Um, We're picking up uh, a new driver for my fiance's dad, Tony, for his birthday. And we're getting like a shaft change. So I was going to pick it up. And, you know, every time I go to a golf store, you know, I'm walking around, you know, I'm feeling the fabric, you know, I'm seeing what's there. And I don't think I've I haven't really looked for clothes in a golf shop for a long time because, you know, all I wear is rowback apparel now. But the difference of every other brand, it's quality. Once you start wearing Roback performance apparel, it is night and day. Off the, the charts. I mean, if you guys have worn Peter Millar, Travis Matthew, Nike, Adidas, Polo, whatever, it doesn't compare. Roback oh. performance apparel is the best. It's all I wear now. Well, here's what I'll say. I mean, all that stuff, all those brands are great, but there's something to be said about just the look of rowback. I mean, I think it's kind, of, it's kind of got a younger, sexier feel and it's just as comfortable or more comfortable. Like we said, with all their options than those other brands. So it's great to see it blowing up. I mean, I, I feel like every, like you said, every couple of weeks it's showing up in new places, different stores, seeing more people on the street. I mean, it's a movement. You like this hat right here? Yeah. That's rowback with the rope back hat for those. Fourth, uh, of, fourth, of, Ju- fourth of July special. Thanks. <laughs> Go to the show notes, um, tap this episode, go to the show notes. There will be a link in there. All you got to do is tap that link, one tap, and just go shopping on Roback.com. The 15% off on your first order will auto apply in your cart, so no need to enter a code or anything. And if you're wondering where that link is, if for some reason you can't access the show notes, just always go to our social accounts at The Partrain. Instagram, Twitter are the biggest. TikTok is on the rise, Serm. Uh, there's always a link in our bio to get 15% off your rollback apparel. Do it's it. It's a great discount. It's a great discount. Get it. So, Cermak, before we get to this episode on Colin and learnings from the Open, uh, first of all, how great to have the Open back uh, yeah. after two years. Like, such a thrill. Arguably my favorite tournament of the year. Um, but, Cermak, I mean, 
we're we're grinding tonight on Sunday afternoon. I mean, I didn't tell you this before that we started the show, but I was up at six and went to my buddy Sam's house. Had a and you know I don't drink much as Uh-oh. anymore. I had a Bloody Mary Uh-oh. and a mezcal on the rocks with nothing in oh. my stomach at six thirty in the morning <laughs> this morning. I have been dragging all day, but I knew I had this podcast tonight. And the Part Train Faithful is what I care about the most, and so. You were fired up this morning, great buzz going. Then you just kind of hit a wall, and now you're coming back, right? I is that am, what you're saying? <laughs> I'm trying to come back. I'm going to keep trying to keep my energy up throughout the show, um, but I'm dragging in you. You're on a phone right now because you had some tech issues with your computer. So we're just making the work. We're, we're chugging it's tonight. Tough. We're, we're, yeah. we're making well, the most of it. But I have a, here's what's great. I mean, the British Open, the Open Championship. You and I, it's 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 our favorite major. We've always bonded over that. And what do yeah. you think? Yeah, I mean, I've it's extra special to me because I've been to St. Andrews twice. I went to the Open in 2010. Actually, ironically, when Louis won, nobody knew who he was. Uh, but I just love the waking up early. I love staying up late and watching it. I love the the authenticity of it. You almost feel that it's the birthplace of the game that we love so much. Yeah. And it's a creative, different style of golf than what you have on the PJ Tour. So, yeah, I, I love it. Yeah, it's the best. It's, um, it's just something, like you said, it's something different. It's so refreshing. And it's, uh, it's quite a look into uh, these golf courses, the design, and then what a lot of these players can do with it or what they can't do with it. So yeah. I think uh, it was quite clear who was the champion golfer of the year with Colin Morikawa, but, uh, it was, there was a lot of good storylines with Spieth and with Louie and, uh, you know, Ron was kind of flirting with a potential two majors in a row and DJ was up and down. So, um, it was, uh, I guess not the drama you always look for on a Sunday, but, uh, credit, credit to Colin, you know, how solid this guy is. Yeah. Well, you know, it wasn't, it was much better than the masters, right? Right. I mean, you you knew Colin was in control very early, um, but there still was the chance. Spieth was making long birdies. He was always kind of in the hunt. And the the people that wanted drama were kind of waiting for Colin to make a bogey at least, right? right? And have Spieth be within one. And this guy was just making 15 footers for par. It's got to be at least four times, three to four times, I, I remember this morning. Um, but, you know, sir, we the whole purpose of these episodes after the majors is to try and unpack something we saw that the average player can take to their game. Right. And um, this is a unique episode because we just got to hear about Colin's approach last week. Yeah. How about um, this? How about this and, timing? And, you know, this is really special to be able to kind of reflect when it's fresh and if you guys haven't listened to Rick Sessinghouse's episode, the one before this one, definitely do it. Maybe even before you listen to this one, uh, because it'll give you so much great context on Colin's routines, his mental approach, and uh, the way that they prepare. So let let me start here real quick, sir. Yeah. Um, you know, we wanted to ask each other to start what kind of our big takeaways, our biggest takeaway from our interview with Rick last week, Colin's coach. And mine, I'll start with 
a quote that Colin said to Rick uh, after he won the PGA, his first major. Um, he told Rick about how, because, you know, they always talk after every round and they they unpack what happened, the learnings and maybe some mistakes so that they constantly have this feedback loop to improve. And he told Rick, he said, you know, I saw my name up near the leaderboard on Sunday. I uh, never saw that before, obviously. And uh, I thought to myself, well, someone's got to win this. Let's go get this done. And he said that to himself and he said it to his caddy. Now, the easy thing to do is to see yourself in a spot you've never been and think to yourself, don't choke. Oh, this is this means a lot. Imagine if I win, it could change my career. I always wanted to win a major. I I have to win. I don't want to lose it. Don't make mistakes. Now, right. those are all normal thoughts. But I think what Colin is such a great teacher of is his ability to number one, just go after what he wants. So many people are trying to prevent what they don't want. Colin goes after what he wants, but he's also really good at resetting and learning. And um, I just remember that quote. Yes. And you, I think you saw that fire today, right? I mean, he was so committed. He talked about it in his post-round interview, Storm. He talked about commitment. His goal was to commit to every shot. And you've talked a lot about that over right. the years. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. He's, I mean, he's in the record books pretty quickly here, right? First time ever playing in the open, too. Um, and he wins it. Um, he, he's just kind of machine-like, <laughs> you know? And that's not to say there's no, like, personality in there. He, he talks to his ball a little bit, you know? He's not like some other players that are, like, so deadpan. Maybe like a, a Louie a little bit or even an Adam Scott. But, um like we, we talked about with Rick, Ev, he's, he's been, people say he's the Ben Hogan of our time. He's that good of a ball striker. A couple of quick stats, Ev. Uh, I think that the list, our listeners will find it interesting. He was 15th in driving accuracy for the week, which is really good. You know, he wasn't number one, but that's really good, especially out there uh, with all the trouble. He was 15th in greens and regulation. Also really good. Solid. Not number one, but really solid. He was 11th in putting. Really, really good. Really good. <laughs> you know, but, but then he was, well, here's the, here's the one I think a lot of people can take away from. He was not even in the top 50 in driving distance. He averaged 295. And, you know, out there, you know, the, you know, the ball runs a lot. But Ev, you, you pointed this out. He was in a lot of three woods. You know, he was kind of mixing up shots. And talk about a guy who had a plan and really stuck with it. Um, but I think what, I think all these guys have plans and they stick with them and stick with them and play well, some better than the others every week, but he just, nothing seems to phase him. Mm -hmm. Clearly he's been phased before, but when he's in on like this, like to me, Ev, I mean, Spieth was there. He was pushing a little bit, but there was no doubt in my mind, those last six, seven holes that Colin was going to lose. Do you feel the same way? Like oh. that's crazy to think about. Like this is well, over. This you forget, bag. right? And you, we take for we take it so much for granted. Think about it. We've got a guy that's set a a record in the first two rounds. That's won a British Open in his group, right? Forget all the talk about if he blows it on Sunday. That's another conversation. If we have time for it, we can talk about it. Um, but Jordan Spieth in front of him, and 
we just assume that this 24-year-old who's only won one major, it's been on tour for two years, has it in the bag. Think about that. Like, think about how impressive that is. Yeah, it's crazy. He's the Terminator. I mean, maybe that was Brooks' nickname, and he certainly still is. Another top 10 for him. He's unbelievable. But, yeah, I mean, that PGA Championship at at Harding Park, he went out and just won it, right? He hit that incredible shot, you know, on 16 or whatever the par four was, short par four. And then this, he – it seemed like never a doubt. He just kind of stuck to his, his routine and his plan. He doesn't deviate at all. Yeah. Well, you and know I what love... this tells me, sir? Go you ahead. You up a really good point. Makes me think of something. So I'm going to – apologies for – I'm going to hammer this point home throughout this episode. Do it. Um, but people are going to say, well, yeah, but I, I, I can't ball strike like Colin Morikawa, right? Or I can't I... hit fit- – be you know hit this many fairways but think about what colin did colin knows in 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 our interview with rick sessinghouse's coach he talked a lot about comfort he finds things that he's comfortable with because the higher your comfort level the easier it is to commit to a shot well your point about three wood your point about hitting greens colin knows his strength is ball striking so what was his priority Get it in the fairway, right? Tiger did this for years, Sherm. He would lay back because Tiger knew he was the best in the world with irons, long irons included. So Tiger's priority, yeah. especially at opens, was to get it in the fairway. That was and a good I example think, at Hoy Lake. Yeah. yeah. And I yeah. think Colin is really good at being surgical with his plan, your point about not deviating, and leaning into where he's comfortable. So for the amateur golfer that's out there maybe scoffing at this, saying, I can't hit the ball like Colin Morikawa. How can I possibly learn from this? I think the point is, what shots is your, what shot is your most comfortable shot? Where Think about, like, actually do some homework and think about where your strengths in your game are and how can you double down on those strengths or tweak your strategy in the other areas where you're a bit weaker to give yourself a better chance for your strength to come through. Does that make sense? Totally. I was playing a course yesterday with uh, my, my brother and a couple of uh, some buddies. And my, my teammate was like a, a five, six handicap. And there was a lot of short par fours at. So it was like a lot of like three thirty to three eighty par fours with bunkers, like well bunkered in the fairway. So you have options, like, and it was tight, like it's like driver three wood or iron. Mm-hmm. And um, my buddy Connor uh, kind of a few holes would say like, well, what should I hit? You know, I was like, dude, you know what you want to hit. You know what your instinct is here. You've looked at the whole, just trust it, right? So to your point about amateurs, you know, oftentimes your instincts are, are okay and it's okay to have options, right? It's easy, it, as we've talked about, it's easy, it's easy to get influenced by what your opponents are doing or your, your, the guys in your group hitting driver all day. Sometimes that's not for you. and Don't get caught up in it. You know what I mean? And yeah. I just don't think, and I don't, I got, and then get back to Morikawa, I think he gets caught up in anything. He's like such a freak of nature with his processes, his routines. And Rick Sessinghouse talked a lot about that. It's like they work at what, what I was listening back to that episode. They work on behaviors that will have intention for the round. Um, the, all the work's got to be done prior to the round, right? So then when you go out there, the plan's in place. You just got to commit, commit and execute. So I, it, it's incredible. 
Yeah. So here's a perfect example of that, of what you just said, uh, behavioral driven intentions. So, um, it would be easy. The, the natural thought of just how we're wired is nerves, excitement, anxiety, because you're entering, you know, a fourth round of a major with a chance to make history and win, right? That's a big moment. It's natural to feel nervous and excited and anxious. But what Rick is saying that they do is what is your intention for a behavior that you can focus on instead of the meaning or the result or the anxiety or what may go wrong? What behaviors can you focus on that give you your best chance? So he talked about maybe focus on finishing or holding your pose on the first stay, team, holding stay, a finish. Uh, stay, I'm going to stick to fit my, my first T thought when I'm nervous and anxious, like we all are on the first T stick to finish. Right. That's what I'm going to do. Stick it. So that's a behavioral intention that helps keep you more balanced and helps make you more committed. And you focus on that instead of everything around it. Right. And I think that was really one of the big themes. And I want to go into this in more detail as we go in this episode, but yeah, to me, that was one of the big themes is Colin and Rick are really good at constantly getting data and information and saying, okay, yeah, that time on that final round, uh, this shot actually didn't quite, it kept leaking left or I didn't quite feel comfortable. Well, what, what is that? Is that a physical thing? Like, was that a physical tendency where maybe you, you know, over-release your hands or, commit with your body, you kind of lean, you know, hold back, come out of it. There's all these things that might be like swing flaws that is information that they can go work on, but also yeah. like comfort level, mental approach. There's things that they're constantly yeah. learning. Well, I think what they do, what, and this is what the best players in the world do, really at any sport, but it's always they're working on their process and routine prior to the event or after the event, right? Mm -hmm. Rick talked about, this is the biggest travel travel schedule he's Collins ever taking on, you know, up until this point as a pro Scottish open, British open week off Tokyo for the Olympics. And then another big run. So it's all about well, WGC you know, after that and WGC. Right. Yeah. So it's, this is, this is uncharted waters, but the amount of time they spend on, all right, what's the dialect? Like what hotels are we staying in? What's the stretching routine? Like, um, amount of sleep because of the jet lag, like, mm -hmm. To me, I don't, th I don't th think all the best players in the, like the, all the players out there are that obsessed yeah. with this stuff. And that's, you know, that's the way they want to be, but they're, this is what separates, you know, why a guy like who's 24, who's won two majors, has only played in a few events. <laughs> right. And this, this is again, the Ben Hogan of our time as a ball striker and who's really worked hard on his putting to change his grip to the claw and, Dude, I don't know. I it's 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 pretty crazy. But for the amateur golfers listening out there, you can work on your processes and your routines, you know, before you play and before you practice. Yeah. Right. So that's when you can control that stuff. Yeah. You know. So I want to share a story, Sarm. We haven't had a chance to talk about this. I've been dying to unpack it with you. We'll just do it live on the air. Uh, just dive in. I have, Sarm. You know my game as good as anyone. We've had a lot of swing coaches on the show over the years. And I think I fell into a trap that a lot of golfers do, which is you get into swing prison, as one of our coaches said, where 
you are constantly tinkering. You want to learn the next big thing. You think there's this magic bullet and you take it out to the course and the entire time you're thinking about that swing thing. And so you play tentative and tight and you play bad golf, right? And I, I did that. And I know all the principles around course management and mental approach. And even me was getting caught up. I was getting caught up in the golf swing for too long, right? And a couple months ago, I decided, you know what? I'm going to stop this whole cycle. I'm going to learn about my tendencies. I'm going to learn about my swing. I'm going to educate myself so I understand what I'm trying to do. Jake Thurm, a PJ Tour instructor we've had on the show, I've been working with him. Uh, I was doing one simple drill to understand how to use my dominant side, my right arm. I decided when I'm playing, I'm not focusing on it. I'm swinging free, committed. I'm focusing on my course management and maybe one swing key for me, right? Well, guess what? Over the last two weeks, after ballooning up from a five to a 9.5 handicap over the last two years, uh, the last two weeks, using the things that Rick talked about and that Colin does, I've shot a 76, four birdies on the front, one under on the front, haven't shot under par on many nines in my life, probably two. Um, it was easy. It was fun. And ended up shooting 76 and then 77 yesterday. And here's what I've started to do, Cermak, that I think Colin does amazing. Is when I, let's say I chunk a chip, right? Nobody likes that. That it's a frustrating thing. Even Let's say you're greenside and a drivable par four and you chunk your chip, right? I played in really thick, wet, rough yesterday. The entire round, I was learning. I was thinking to myself, huh, okay, well, that pitch motion that I use in every other shot probably wouldn't work for that lie, right? So my next shot, after I chunked it, I thought, okay, yeah, I probably came down a little too steep. Um, maybe try and, you know, come a little bit more inside or gouge it out a little bit more or take a less aggressive line. Like, the point is, yeah. is after a mistake, I was thinking to myself, okay, was that a physical thing? Yeah, I probably swung too hard. Maybe I wasn't committed. Or maybe that was like a short game lesson, right? Yeah. Where the lie wasn't, didn't match the shot I made. And now I'm like gaining information and I'm excited the next time I practice to say, okay, I've had this shot before. What did I learn last time? What should I go practice on the range so I'm more confident? Another thing I learned recently is I would be, if I hook a drive, I'm under the tree, right? And I noticed, Serm, that I was constantly chunking my, um, my punch out. The toe was just grabbing and it wasn't getting any roll. I, I was too chipping from the rough when I was trying to get up by the green. So guess what I did? I went to the range. I practiced punch shots for 25 minutes, just hitting stingers. Honestly, one of the more fun, fun range sessions I've hit. Yesterday, Cermak, I get under a tree deep into the trees. I'm out 190 with wet, thick rough. I go, oh, perfect. I'm actually kind of excited to play this shot because I just practiced punch shots for 30 minutes yesterday. And I hit one of the best shots of my life, a punch four iron that rolled 10 feet from the flag to an elevated green, 190 yards out. One of the wow. greatest shots I've ever hit. And so I think the lesson there is I wasn't just upset 
in the round that I chunked two punch outs and I'm upset because I hooked the drive. I remembered why I hooked it. Okay, I was quick or I didn't think about my swing keys. I wasn't committed. Then, okay, I'm not really, I need to practice my punch shots more. And so that informed my practice routine. Then I had more confidence, more commitment, and I executed a great shot the next time I played. That's what Colin Morikawa and Rick do after every round. They learn. The goal is to learn. It doesn't, well, I mean, you were, I love the stories. You know, you were texting me yesterday. You were so fired up because it was kind of light bulb moments, right? Like, but the, the light bulb moments don't, the light bulbs don't come on unless you let it come on, right? You're just letting golf reveal you, not define you. Right. Yeah. That chunk chip is not defining you. It's just like, you know, like, and you tie it back to Colin so well, because Colin's like, this is like, whoa, oh, this is some real serious, interesting information. Now, what do I do with it? Yeah. I tell that I suck and I can't play that shot and my mind's messed up or wait a second, you know, maybe I picked the wrong shot. You well, know, <laughs> I just didn't absolutely. commit. And right. You know I mean, what else? Well, I, the other no, last thing I'll say, Cermak, that has totally changed the way I play golf, and we should probably talk more about this uh, on the show, is club selection. I have never realized until recently how I've looked at club selection incorrectly almost the entire 15 years that I've played golf. Are, are um, you talking about all around or pitching, chipping, or just uh, uh, Mostly deal? approach shots and, oh, and yeah. off the Second, tee. Yeah. Um, but let me give you an example. Yesterday, here's another quick story. Yesterday I was playing and I had a par five in, it was a short par five. I smoked my, my best drive of the day. I had 190 to a back flag and I was like, well, uh, I kind of wanted to hit the seven, which is about 180, um, because just get it on the green, give myself a look at Eagle and long with this thick, wet, rough. To be short-sided long to a back flag, it's just, it's not good. But the last second, I made a mental error. I said, well, why am I overthinking not hitting the six when the six flies 190, which is the exact distance of the flag, right? So now I'm not fully committed. I actually hit it too good. It takes one big bounce and goes 10 yards long. And now I two-chip. And I, out of thick rough, like I just talked about, it was on that hole. And I make bogey when I was in the driver's seat to make eagle or give myself a birdie putt or make birdie, right? right? And you, so the lesson- we, we, And we've hammered the song. You cannot miss it long. So keep right. going. So the, the thing that I've realized, Sir Mac, is number one, uh, learning about yardages is so important, right? right? So taking those little nuggets we just talked about, Tell, remember when you go long with a club, remember what the yardage is, because what I'm learning is, is every club has like a 10 yard, 10 to 15 yard range, depending on if you hit it really good or really bad. Right. And so if going seven iron there and, and being in the rough, you know, a little bit of a flyer lie. lie yeah. Can, yeah. Yeah. Sure. So what I've learned, what I've done these last two weeks when I've shot good score, best scores I've shot in two years is. I think about yardages differently. If a flag is 150 and my nine irons 150, 155, and it's a back flag, I'm hitting pitching wedge. And I've maybe put a little back of my stance and I put it to the middle of the green. And guess what's happened sometimes? Sometimes I catch it so good, I'm 10 feet below the hole. 
Right. And it would have well, been a great shot with my nine iron, but I'm, I'm hitting greens. I'm hitting right. so many more greens by thinking about what is the club that can't go this distance? Correct. Right? Correct. Well, just, you have talked a lot about this. We've talked about it a few episodes too with some guests and it's now it's setting in, right? Cause you're, you, but you, it's, it's, it can be challenging because you're like, you're almost like surrendering to the, maybe in a way like, oh, maybe, you know, like I'm not, I'm not going for birdie here, but it's like, right. what what does Scott Fawcett say? Even the best players don't make, you know, there's a lot right. of holes that, you, that birdie's just tough. And now you're seeing more putts throughout the round, right? And you're just, your mind's just more at ease. Dude, the, the front yardage is everything. I was playing yesterday. It's all I, that's generally, that's kind of where my mind is at. All, mm. If it's after, I mean, if it's a shot that's over 150 yards, I'm always like, that's kind of where my mind kind of builds off of. What's the front yardage, right? And one shot yesterday, I was in a flyer lie, 190 in the rough. Uphill line, back pin. I committed to it. I smoked it. And what happened? 20 yards over the green. <laughs> when I'm, because in my head, I was playing in a match. I was like, well, maybe I can put this 20 feet. And really, I should have took a club less. And if I make the perfect swing like I did, <laughs> you might get there. But if it's a little short, I have a it's simple chip okay. as opposed to a 30. Yeah. Yeah. So it was like, no, it's, remember, I made the wrong decision, but at least I committed to it, right? It's yeah. better to commit to the wrong shot but you than not commit at all. But that was the only time I did that yesterday. And, you know, I shot 72, uh, which wasn't good enough for, you know, my brother and his buddy Steve. They're 68 and they're 69s. But that awareness is so key. Mm-hmm. And everybody listening right now, you've got to really double down and leave the ego at the door. And, yeah. you know, and, and, don't try to be a hero. Don't go, stop going for flags well, you know every single time. You know what's so ironic is the, that front nine I shot one under. It was the best job I've ever done of club selection. And so many times I took what others that, and your ego might have seen as a conservative play. And guess what happened? I was hitting my iron so good. I made four birdies in nine holes in the front because, and that's, that's, that's hitting and good. That's like hitting more conservative clubs. So think about that. Think about that for a second. I was playing quote conservatively, but committed. And I made four birdies. Because you hit how many, well, you probably hit seven greens. Oh, at least. I think right? I hit eight. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's pretty crazy, man. I mean, you've been playing since, I mean, you've really turned the corner, knock on wood, but yeah. it's, what's, what are you attributing it to? <laughs> Thinking about golf differently. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the crazy thing right? is nothing is that that's what I really want to hit home. I don't usually like talking so much about like this shot to this shot and our rounds, but I do think that this is, I've finally in the last two months, we've interviewed some amazing people and I've started to put it to practice. And I'm now finally starting to experience how scratch and better players play golf. I've finally started to do that in the way that I think about it, the way that I'm committing, the way that I'm choosing clubs off the tee, and the way that I'm choosing clubs into the greens. And I now understand course management. And so many amateurs think that course management 
is kind of like this baloney game that you can only do when you're that when you're good enough. But it's really the thing that's holding them back. There's there's Correct. a reason why 15 handicaps go at every pin versus Colin Morikawa, who's putting it 20 feet. Like right. realize that. There's a right. reason why Colin Morikawa is Colin Morikawa. Obviously, he's incredible. Now the number three ranked player in the world. Yeah. But he is so disciplined with the way that he plays and his plan that if more amateurs played that way, they would shoot five to 10 better scores. If all they did was listen to Cermak, tell him what club to hit <laughs> off the tee, what line to take and what clubs to hit in the greens. Well, Evan, I'll just show this about my game. I mean, that was a, been a huge breakthrough for you yesterday was, a, I, I felt like I was pretty disciplined in this sense. I didn't, I, I hit a couple of decent drives that started around, but I wasn't feeling super comfortable with my driver mm -hmm. and it wasn't a long course. It was tight. A lot of decisions. There's a lot of par fours. You can hit driver or you can lay back. And, you know, I'm, like I said, I'm, we're in a, we're in a two man match, right? It's, it's a one best ball. I'm playing with a six handicap and I'm going against two scratches, my brother and his buddy, you know, and we're getting a few shots, but they're hitting drivers and ripping it all day, ripping it right on those three fifty forty part three forty par fours. And in my head, I'm like, you know what? I don't hit it that far, but chances are they're not making eagles, even though how close they get to the green. They're not, they're not going to make yeah. eagle. Right. They're just not, they might, it could happen, but they're not. And I just said, you know what? All right, I'm going to hit three wood here. You know, I'm going to play a hybrid here. This par five, it's a dog leg left. And I, and I don't draw the ball very well. I'm going to hit a three wood off the tee. I'm going to lay up. And I'm going to give myself a chance to make a birdie. Yeah. I'm hundred yards out. And that's an ego thing too. Because you, know, you, you feel better. <laughs> Let's get to the why, sir. You feel more confident in your wedges and your putting yes. than hitting a draw off the tee. Correct. Plain and simple. Correct. Right? So just Correct. like Colin just... Morikawa chooses what he's most comfortable with because he knows comfort leads to um, commitment and confidence that he plays yeah, his game. For sure. And now that's revealing in the sense, well, man, you know, when you practice, you need to work on being able to at least hit a draw once in a while. That's something I got to get better at, right? It's hard to take driver out of the bag because you don't feel comfortable. But at the same time, in the moment, on that day, you have to be committed and you have to know your game. And I felt like, you know, you know, I was able to do that. But it's hard, man. It's hard when you're, especially when you're playing with guys that are just ripping it by you, you know, but I, there's a lot of ways to play good golf. And you've had a total breakthrough in your game, you know, with this new approach. It's great to hear of. Yeah. No, it's exciting. I feel like, um, I feel like we're probably, that's probably a good place to end. I feel like we're probably near the end here, but I will say, um, the, I, I've just started to really obsess over learning, I think is the big theme, everything I'm doing. And this is a huge lesson for life, by the way. Um, I think yeah. Rick said curiosity is the ultimate enemy of fear and Curiosity is a great way to break yourself out of self-doubt and, and that negative self-talk because everything is a moment to learn. And I know it mm -hmm. sounds cliche, but I've lived it. It is the way to live a less stressful, less anxious life. Right. And um, I think the big takeaway for me, Serm, is I'll, I'll end with this. Um, more people need to think to themselves maybe after a bad shot or where they're nervous of what do I need to do here instead of what will this mean right. or what will happen right. if something it. goes wrong? Because again, 
That's what Rick and Colin work on. In that moment, he hyper-focuses to what do I need to do here? So that could mean hit three wood. That could mean favor the left side. That could mean keep it low because there's wind. That could mean stay in your posture or hold your finish. Those are all executional focuses. When you're so focused on, you know, the shot, you know, the environment, right? The wind, the grass, you know, the layout, the course design, right? Of that whole, and then your shape, your speed, you know, and your, maybe your trigger thought in that minute and a half or less than a minute when you're in your zone, when you, when you have a cadence and a process with all of that, there's just, there's less time. There's less moments for the negative stuff to creep. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I, I'll, I'll say this is, a, you know, this is what we love about this show. Our, you know, we got a great episode going live a week from today, Cal Shapiro. And I'll say this, as he talks about the doing a deep breath before he hits his shots. I put that into play for my putting yesterday. Deep mm. breath right before I swing the putter head and I, I, I putted unbelievable. I, I lost the, and I'm a good putter, but like, I just felt just so tension less. Yeah. And we're going to dive more into that. You're going to hear more of that next week, everybody. Look at the but teaser. The breathing, but I put it in play and that was, we brainstorm on the show. We learn, and we get better. That's it, man. Yeah. Well, that's, that's what's cool is to me, I get excited about taking something new to the course, a new thought, a new approach, a new commitment level. And I hope that the listeners out there feel that same excitement where you don't have to go to the course with like 20 thoughts filled with anxiety. Take one thing and try right. it. Serm chose to take a deep breath before putting. See what it does to your, to your putts. Remember the putts that you didn't do it on if you didn't do it every time. What was the difference? Totally. Right? Totally. What were your mistakes? What, did it, what caused it? And then get better and think about it. If you, so what cute. you, have, what you have done in the last few weeks is you are committed to learning how to play this game better and you're enjoying the process. And if yeah. everybody, and if, 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 if listeners out there can get to that place, <laughs> the, the results will happen, right? Yeah. hundred percent. So yeah. it's, it's, it's great stuff. And it was a great open championship. Morikawa is going to be here to stay my friend. He, uh, <laughs> Six, seven, eight majors. Who knows? This guy's so young, and if he stays healthy, it's just—he's—he's—he's he's, he's pretty fun to watch. His and remember, he's five nine, one sixty. I wouldn't be surprised if he's actually five eight or less. Right. Um, he's not a—he's not a freak athlete like DJ or Brooks. And and right? you know what? Do you, do you think he cares? No, he nah. plays his game. Yeah, because he knows he can, at his best, he's the best. Clearly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, thank you guys, as always, for hopping aboard. We hope we added some value uh, to your game and life. If we have, definitely feel free to give us a subscribe on Apple Podcasts, follow us on Spotify. Um, We're on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. We're we're doing new content there every day. So if you like the show, you'll love um, our social channels and DM us. Um, And we love interacting and and helping you guys. But sir. it's It's the best, man. It really is, guys, like from the bottom of our hearts. It's the coolest feeling yeah. um, that it's connecting and people are sending us messages every day, yep. more messages every day about how we're helping them shoot break 80, break 90, all these crazy things. And we're humbled um, to be helping you along your journey. 
and, and you guys what, and you guys helping us too though right yeah. that's the beauty of it all we learn we're learning so much from the community yeah. you know and just sharing ideas and thoughts about the, the game we love yeah so. and so sir let's end them let, let's send them off with this let's say they chunk a chip next weekend let's say they hit it ob let's say they put one in the water um what do they got to do just enjoy the ride see you guys thanks Take care.